I'm Rachel Hessian, the creator and host of the Springboard Music Podcast. And this season, you'll be hearing from President, Jesus Culture Music, the Executive Director, a Production Manager, the SVP of Marketing and Digital, Lead YouTube Operations, the CEO at Adarga Entertainment Group, and you're listening to the Springboard, 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 Springboard Music Podcast. I feel like my consistent journey is I should not be here, that I don't deserve to be here. I did not go to film school. I did not do all the stuff that people say that you're supposed to do. It was just step by step, the Lord opening up doors for me and me just trying to, on the back end, honor what's been given to me and work my tail off so that people would be like, I'm really happy I gave him that opportunity because nine times out of 10, I should not have gotten what I got. Tristan Cusick's story is quite extraordinary. Contrary to a lot of the other conversations we've had on this podcast, Tristan started his own company in the music industry without really working for any other company in the industry prior. This conversation holds a lot of value. We talk about what it's like hiring your own employees, building a network from scratch, and how you build a reputation in the industry based off of your own merit. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode as it's one that I think holds a ton of value to a lot of entrepreneurs in our industry. Well, what I was saying though, Taylor Swift got me into Georgia Strait because wow. of her song. She did a cover years ago of Run by George Strait. Hmm. And I didn't know. I don't even know that one. And I just saw him two days in a row in Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> that shows your boy got into this world, not because I was a country music fan, just because I picked up a camera and an opportunity just kept showing up. And so... I, uh, I'm still learning, uh, what is it? Six years in and still don't really know any George Strait songs, but I just opened a door to hopefully figure some out now. <laughs> you did. You are on the path to knowledge after going to two of his shows. Yeah. Mr. Strait, buddy, you got yourself a new fan. He was sweet for a 72 year old. He rocked it. He looked good for 72. He's 72? He and a handsome 72 at that. He would kill Oh yeah. It. No, that, that, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> He was a rock star, got up there and brought it. That's amazing. So I'm curious, you mentioned like picked up a camera and now here you are. You weren't like on the mission to do country music. Where did the passion for content creation come from? Or was it a yeah. passion? It was, I think more of a, more of a curiosity than a passion. I picked up a camera in the summer of 2016. Um, and I'm not very good at like kind of doing anything. Either I really care about it or something or I really don't. I at the time was working at a church and um, just as like a ministry assistant, thought I was going to be a pastor one day and um, was working at the church and was putting in 20 hours a week. And that's all they gave me. And I was really bored outside of that. And so I went home, picked up my camera that my mom took like high school football photos of me with and just dove in real hard. And I fell in love with the music world. And it sounds silly, but the chain smokers were super progressive in like 2015, 2016, when it came to like on the road tour content. Uh, there's this guy named Roy Kramer who I've looked up to since the beginning. And he was just making these like recap videos for them that were just like fun and made you want to be best friends with them. And um, also made you want to go to a show. Um, and so I think from that, I fell in love with like the performance side of music, just seeing an artist look really cool. Um, has always just like weirdly been a passion of mine, just trying to make somebody feel really confident and comfortable and really bring fun energy. Um, a lot of my team make fun of me because I don't really listen to music for lyrics. 
and like all of them just like love all these sad songs that are brilliantly written and i'll just turn on a song that's edm and just like bop and all of them are just like why do you like this i'm just like makes me feel good it's fun um and so through that uh chain smokers were kind of like an intro to me of what that creative photo video world looked like um and so i just picked up a camera and would make like little recap videos with my friends going down to nashville and um just fun life stuff that was up upbeat and um just made me smile um and so started doing that um yeah god was just really faithful and opened up a lot of doors i got pretty good pretty quick um just because again the whole obsessive thing three months in i bought like two new cameras had no money to be able to do that but sold everything i had to do it and um a buddy of mine, Garrett Klein, played bass for a guy named Dylan Scott at the time. And he was just like, hey, dude, uh, you got kind of good at camera stuff. Do you want to come out on the road with us and Dylan? Uh, I think there could be a fun opportunity. Like, I couldn't guarantee you any money, but it could be a cool opportunity with you getting some fun stuff and could be free content for Dylan. I was like, yeah, dude, just let me know. I'll skip class. I think I was a sophomore in college at the time, sophomore, junior. Wait, how did you know that, buddy? He was like a mentor of mine. Um, so his From name's Kurt? Garrett Klein. Uh, from another church in Bowling Green. So my wife was on the dance team at WKU. She is a rock star, such a brilliant and talented chick. And um, she was on the dance team at WKU and through FCA, she met a, a awesome woman named uh, Jacqueline Klein, who's Garrett's wife. And so through that, um, I got to know Garrett and he became a mentor of mine. And um, yeah, just from that, he was like, hey, dude, you should come on the road. And so little 19 year old Tristan was like, all right, bud, like, well, why not? That sounds fun. Uh, 1920. I can't even remember what I was, but time. Are you still like in your mind? You're like, I'm still going to be a pastor. This is just, Oh really yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so the way that that all built out is I went on the road with Dylan for that first weekend and I had a blast. I had so much fun. Um, just getting the opportunity to do something that I felt like I was like really hyped up to do, even though I was only like three months in. Um, and I remember Dylan handing me like $200 in like merch cash at the end of the weekend, which is just money that Dylan gets for selling merch on the weekend, a lot of it's cash. And so he handed me that. And I was just like, now we're talking, this is money. I dude, I thought I was like wealthy. I skipped rich, went straight to wealthy and um, it was just fun. And he asked me to come out a couple more times. And, and so over the next probably like year two years, um, I would periodic, periodically pop out on the road with Dylan and um, try to hop, hop on opportunities and, um, but still working at the church, still thought I was going to be a pastor. But like right now it's like a hobby side gig. Yeah. I was still working my 20 hours a week at uh, the church, still doing like your normal full-time schedule as a college student, but just was very nice to my professors. And, and they were like, yeah, dude, go on tour just as long as you get your work done. And so I was balancing a lot of stuff at the time. And then over the next two years was continuing touring and doing stuff like that. Shot a couple weddings as well. And then through that, it was really uh, a lot going on. I got married going into my senior year. Dylan asked me to come on the road pretty much full time. Uh, was working 20 hours a week at the church, was uh, doing full time hours in college and doing them all really poorly. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking about that. I'm like, OK, just doing college and going on the road, knowing road life, that's really hard. But then college road, trying to build a home life and routine with somebody else. And then also 20 hours, like part-time working at a church, which church life is not 20 hours. We all know that like yeah. on paper, maybe, but it's not how, how, I mean, like you said, you were doing it all poorly, but how long did that poor season last? 
longer than it should have. I would say I did that for probably like three months um, and just slowly recognized that like I was not able to give any of those things uh, what I had hoped and like the way that I would like to do anything in my life is hopefully excellent. And I was just not excellent in either of them. And so I was watching a show called Parks and Rec. Um, and there's a moment where two of the characters are talking and um, to say it nicely, one character says it to the other, don't half but two things, whole but one thing. And that was just a dagger in my heart um, and just uh, took some time to re really like sit down and evaluate. Um, what I felt called to do for a season. Wow. I felt called Parks and Rec and bringing life change to the world. Ron Swanson. I mean, a modern day Gandhi, you know what I mean? Um, quotes for days. And so if through that, God just uh, gave me a lot of peace of mind going into the creative world, which I wasn't expecting. And so I just tried to hop on that and run with it. Um, and he's just been really faithful since. And so that was kind of the journey to just working full time, I guess, in the, in the creative world. So when you were looking at your full plate, and you're like, all right, something's got to go. You dropped the church work. Yeah. And you were like, I'm still going to get my degree, even though I have a full-time job on the road. Yeah. Yeah. That's just called stubborn right there. I probably could have just dropped out and been fine. I advocate for people to be able to test the waters. College isn't for everybody. College isn't needed for everybody. Um, for me, I got so far in that I was just like, I'm going to freaking do it. I don't care what it costs. Um but yeah, it just looked like me doing a lot of homework on the tour bus, which was not very fun. Um, but it was just one of those things that made a commitment and I just wanted to honor it. I don't know if that's for everybody, but for me, I just kind of had a conviction where it's just, um, I don't know if it was uh, parents really wanting me to go to college. I was the first in my family to really go to college out of my little inner pocket. Wow. And so I was just like, I'm already here. So. By my senior year, it wasn't quite as hard. I had a golf class um, that I had to skip a few times, which I was pretty bummed about. But the but the professor was pretty chill, and he just said, "Dude, you can skip as much as you want as long as you come back and at the end of the semester play around a nine with me." And I was just like, "I can do that, bud." Heck so yeah, you know, college was tough for me. <laughs> I think people don't understand, or maybe don't realize yet, if they're still new to the music industry, that golf is a very strong subculture. That's just kind of a really good foreshadowing of the Lord to give you the golf skill coming into this industry. Oh, you would think. Uh, but I will say, I think that round of nine that I played with that professor was the last round that I played in the last six years. I will say it's a huge part of the music industry. I feel left out sometimes that I'm garbage because my I'm in this duality of I don't want to play anything I'm not good at, but you have to play to get good at something. What's your Enneagram? It's a three. Yeah. Cause that's I'm a, me too. I'm a strong three. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to pick up golf because like we just established, it's a huge part of this mm -hmm. industry. And right now it's a huge part of the men cult of the men's culture. And so yeah. I went out and bought my own set of clubs and I am going to the golf course, but no way am I going to anything yet. <laughs> I am going to make sure that I do not like hit 115. <laughs> Dude, I, I respect that you're even picking it up and going because so much of me is just like, bro, I just don't want to look like a scrub. And so respect that you're hitting the ground running and you're going for it. I'm sure you'll be solid soon. But when you first picked up a camera, it was just like an interest, a hobby. And then you got this amazing opportunity with Dylan Scott. Obviously, um, the guy who shot for the Chainsmokers in 2015, 2016, he was a huge inspiration for you. How else did you figure out your creative lens? 
for Tristan? Oh man. Uh, great question. I think for me, it was just a lot of trial and error. Um, I've never been the guy who was a movie uh, aficionado. I don't know the right word exactly, but I've never been a film guy, um, which I is <laughs> funny because I'm a director now. But um, I never was the kid who grew up watching movies. I was a kid who liked a lot of television and a lot of stuff. But really thinking back on it, like I was a kid who would have MTV on a lot. And a lot of the time it would be music videos playing all in the background. I would come back home from a football practice and, and just turn on MTVU, which was a thing at that time. I don't even know if it's on TV anymore. I haven't had cable since 2014 or 2015 when I moved out of my house. Now like MTVU was like a staple in my room and I would just watch all these music videos growing up. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just fun to watch. It just, for me, I've always been, I like having a visual with music, music um, just for something to like, think of while I'm listening to something. I just remember like watching music videos and then I would hear a song and I would like think of the music video. And so for long winded, but for me to be able to just say like what I like, it's just a lot of trial and error. I have no formal training. I never went to film school. Um, I almost took a photography class in college and then um, out of pure um, stubbornness and pride, I was just like, I don't want to take it to say I never took a photography class. Yeah. And that's just me being a butt. But um, yeah. And so I think for me, it was a lot of learning on the fly, trying something, realizing I did not like that and then trying again. And um, eventually you figure out what you like and what you don't. And um, that becomes your your look, I guess. So you're on the road with Dylan Scott. You're newly married. You're finishing up your degree. What what happens between then and starting up your own company? Yeah. uh, COVID. So that's fun. Um, so started shooting, uh, Dylan back in 2016 or 17 would work with him a good bit. And then would also work with a guy named Mitchell Tenpenny, um, who I got connected with through a mutual friend named Dallas Wilson and, um, started shooting for Mitchell, um, tour and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then COVID happened, um, which I mean, obviously shut down my entire world as someone who toured. Um, I think some people are made for tour and others aren't. I am one of those people who would say I was not built for tour. Um, I really, I'm an introvert. I was an only child. And so I like my space and I like quiet and tour does not really afford that. <laughs> and so, um, I, I really realized that I uh, missed home a lot when I went on tour. Um, I'll still tour like once a quarter, um, just to pop out and make some fun stuff and, and hang out with people. And it's really intimate. You can build good relationships with artists, but I just realized who it wasn't for me. And so tail end of 2019, I was starting to start a, starting to think about, okay, what do I want? Um, other than actually being on the road with people, touring is really, uh, can be really lonely. And just when you're at home and you're just by yourself all week. And so I realized from an early, early point, I wanted to be a part of something bigger than myself, a team. Um, I feel like God's been uh, one of the things that I feel like I'm kind of good at is like leadership and people. Um, and so I knew I wanted to be a part of something, a team, something bigger than myself. And so um, I was trying to start scheming of how I could get off the road. And um, COVID expedited that process. I was on the road with Dylan at the top end of 2020 and then had my bag packed to fly out to, I believe it was Spokane, Washington. And I remember receiving a text and saying like, hey, uh, this whole COVID thing's kind of starting to really pop up. Uh, we might have to cancel our first show. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I mean, back's back. We're ready to go if need be. And then within a span of like three hours, it went from like, hey, this show's canceled. Hey, this 
two week runs canceled. Hey, there's just no more touring for forever. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, there goes all of my income as a 21-year-old newly married guy uh, trying to provide for my family. So I was like, all right, that's going to change some stuff. Uh, but that takes care of the whole touring thing. And so little did I think all of us know that was going to last for a very long time. And uh, so rode the wave. My wife actually got in the doctorate program at Belmont for occupational therapy. And so that was our justification because all of that time I was living in Bowling Green, Kentucky, going to Western Kentucky. Um, and then, so that was our like justified reason to move down to Nashville, uh, in the middle of the pandemic is a super fun time to move to a new city. Hey, housing prices are really cheap though. Well, yeah, rent was, rent was decent. And, um, yeah, so landed in Nashville, um, during the middle of COVID. And I think I just kind of had to look at myself in the mirror and just say, all right, like, what do you want to do? Um, do you want to try this whole freelance thing for a long time? Or do you want to try to work yourself into something? Um, especially in a season where I knew nobody coming to Nashville. I, uh, I mean, only knew basically Mitchell Tenpenny's camp from tour and Dylan's camp from tour. And that was, that was it. Um, and so what I decided to do was make a rule for myself to DM five new people every day, um, or every weekday for like, I think it was like two or three months. And I mean to tell you, Maybe 5% of those people hit me back, <laughs> but, uh, that just, um, unafraid DMing of a lot of people, I think is a huge reason why I am where I am today. Um, it helped build this small little community that I had whenever I first moved to Nashville. And, um, I mean, most people were like, dude, I don't know who you are. It's a pandemic right now. I don't want to get coffee with you. And I'm like, yo, respect. But, um, yeah, uh, some people hit me back and that became a creative community that I had. Some uh, work friends, some just normal friends, but that got me to my next step where um, I, I was, the world started opening up again. August, 2020, I shot behind the scenes for a music video for Mitchell Tenpenny. Wait, what kind of, like when you were searching for people to DM, yeah. who were you searching for? Were you searching for other content creators? Were you searching for managers, for artists? What was kind of your... Per- your parameter. Yes. Um, to all of those. Uh, I think I was, okay. I was, I was connecting with a lot of other creatives to, to be able to build some community in town managers. I think I realized were a lot more accessible than artists were, um, to be able to say, Hey, I'd love to shoot a show for your artist. Um, since their DMS aren't as quite full as somebody who is famous, I guess you could say, um, there was just a, a lot higher response rate with managers than anybody else. Uh, because they're always trying to find ways to elevate their artists, look for new talent to be able to bring in and really support their artists. And so managers were a great how way. Did you, like, how did you find those managers oh, you, when you don't you know? You learn how to stalk like, on the internet. Your, um, like, what was your search engine? Bro, I felt like a stalker for a hot minute. I mean, I can <laughs> I can find some stuff on the internet pretty quick now, um, which is kind of weird, but it, it works. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, it was a lot of um, just being diligent. Um, I think if you work hard enough, you can find whatever you want on the internet. Um, and I was able to find managers. I was able to find labels. I was, I mean, like, and then you go on LinkedIn and then you try to find something on LinkedIn and then you pop over to, um, Instagram and see if you can find them on Instagram. You see if they're private, you see if they're public. Like, I mean, no, but it's there. Like people volunteer putting themselves on these platforms. Mm -hmm. So utilize it. That's something that I 
people have asked, like, how do you find people to interview, especially for that first season that I did? And I was like, you would not believe the abilities of LinkedIn. You can search a company name, a job title, and then you can just find people. And I think that is one of the most underused networking tools, which is ironic considering it's built for networking. I think it's so underutilized in our our specific format. I think in entertainment industry, everybody thinks like, oh, like LinkedIn is for old people or for corporate boring people. Um, and Instagram is the only way to go. I think LinkedIn is a really solid opportunity. I mean, obviously it's not going to be as curated as an Instagram or something like that. But I mean, years ago, I mean, I'll even just say like 15, 20 years ago to be able to think that you can DM or like talk to the rock would have been impossible. But as weird as it is, you can DM whoever you want. Like it is an open network to be able to reach out to, I mean, a president, like you can DM POTUS, like, are they going to respond? Probably not, but there's an opportunity to talk to anybody. And so I think the way that you make it in this entertainment industry is just by like, go get it. I mean, it's either you are so talented, um, people will find you and I'm just not that person. I think there's very rare amount of people in this industry that are actually like that. And if you think you are, that means you're not that person. Um, but I think you just have to have a desire to go get it. You have to want it more than everybody else and be willing to work harder than everybody else. And so I DM'd everybody and their mom to be able to try to get some meetings. And I only got five, 10% of the people that hit me back. But if you just keep swinging, eventually you'll hit. And so I finally, I made a good little community, um, try to honor people really well, love them really well, not ask for too much. Like you just really try to not lead with a, a request. You lead with uh, value and um, just trying to take care of people really well. Um, I didn't learn much in college, but uh, there was one thing in our philosophy program that we had talked about and because um, I minored in that. And um, they said, uh, don't see people as a means to an end, just see them as an end. Um, not just seeing people as an opportunity to be be able to get you where you want to go or to take you to that next step or be able to financially provide for you. Just care for them because they're them. I'm a Christian. That's a big part of what I am. And so I believe we're all created equal in, in the image of God. And so just caring for people because they're people, uh, whether they're a janitor or they're a CEO, trying to love and honor them well. And I'm by no means perfect at that. You can probably even ask my team sometimes and they'll probably give you some stories. But um, just really trying to walk in the room and honor people well and not be there because of what they can get you, but just care for them because they're interesting and worthy of being cared for themselves. And so I think if you can carry that mentality and work really hard, then you can get whatever you want in this industry. And so long winded, but that leads me to um, August, 2020 did a behind the scenes photo video thing for Mitchell. Um, He had a song called broken up. Um, And while we were on set there, his manager, Kristen and I were just joking around and they had said that they've got a song coming out and on January 1st of 2021 called bucket list. And so um, we were cutting up just about like content ideas. Like what if we just um, uh, went out to Sedona and spent a week out there and um, just did some cool stuff and like we had some pretty pictures. And so I just like off rip was just like, what if we just took the label's money and did our, did our own bucket list? And they're like, just both looked at me and were like, yes. And I was just like, oh, okay. Um, I've never done a music video before, but I didn't present that, but I was like, yeah, we can do that. And inside I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, you're not just like doing a music video. You're doing a music video in potentially high stress situations to accomplish a bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Your boy jumped in head first. Um, so 
I, they said okay, which is hilarious, and they probably shouldn't have, but they did. And so we went out and spent five days in Arizona uh, checking off our bucket list. We did Monument Valley, Grand Canyon. Um, we did four, uh, four by fours in Sedona. We got a lake or a, a boat on Lake Powell. We rode horses in Monument Valley. Like we just did an incredible bucket list and recorded it. And so it was a music video. We got a couple dope, uh, performance scenes in between of Mitchell just crushing it. And, um, yeah, so that was my first music video. I mean, I mean, two, two or three panic attacks later, we made it. I mean, hats off to you though, because I checked the numbers today, 3.3 million yeah. YouTube views on that music it's video. It's hilarious. I mean, just... <laughs> and it's your first ever <laughs> yeah, music video. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, just silly. I feel so blessed to have been able to do that one for Mitchell. And the fact that him and his team trusted me is is wild. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of learning. Thankfully, I had a team that helped me out. I like directed, produced, and edited or whatever, but um that we had a team that helped us uh be able to afford it which was a team that kind of helped set up this brand partnership for department of tourism for arizona that kind of bankrolled this video which was so sick and they helped us figure out some logistics and stuff and so without them and the department of tourism for arizona kind of pushing on the national government to give us the filming permits for this this would not have happened and so there were a couple bumps along the way but we came out um on the other side and uh had a really cool piece that i honestly don't want to don't know if it would have happened any other time in life where Mitchell, it, because literally on that trip, it was just me, uh, Kristen, Mitchell's manager, uh, Mitchell and Mitchell's now wife, Megan, Patrick, um, the four of us or yeah, four of us flew out and uh, just drove around in a, a rental car around Arizona and um, with Mitchell's tour schedule and Megan's tour schedule. I don't know if that would have been able to happen any other time other than in the middle of a pandemic, but uh, yeah, it was a really sweet uh, kickoff to uh, being a director. So <laughs> was that the kickoff to starting your own company? You're like, all right, well, I guess I am now a 1099. So I need to figure yeah, that out. Uh, so that led me into probably another six months of working as a freelancer before my first hire um, in July of 22. Um, I brought on a guy to my team as like an editor co-creative who's an absolute rock star. And um, just helped me bring on bandwidth. And so I consider that as like my official start as Cusick Media. Um, brought him on, created an LLC, started paying him, um, had payroll, which like is terrifying. Like I was just like, all right, cool. Like I can figure out how to like put food on the table for me and my wife. But now I've got to do it for somebody else, which is um, a responsibility that I did not take lightly. And so there were a lot of nights where I'm like, dude, what did I get myself into? How am I going to make this happen? But time and time again, the Lord provided and, and we're here. And so, yeah. And then uh, it's been a really sweet process along the way. I uh, have been able to hire a couple more people to my team and um, that have just allowed me to do what I'm really good at. Um, it's taken me a while to um, learn that I can let go a lot. Um, I kind of got in people's way just because I was used to doing everything. But uh, now it's really sweet. I've got an incredible team that are very talented and very um sweet and skilled and good with people and fun and such a good culture where I just feel so blessed um, to be able to try to lead them well and also just direct and uh, cast some vision. For anyone who is a fan of the podcast or a fan of Tristan, there is a mutual connection between the two of us getting together. And it is all thanks to Alex Mock because Alex works for Tristan and she does all of the video editing for the Springboard Music Podcast and has since the beginning. And she is incredible. 
an amazing gem, such a good hang. So on it. Um, so I know we're both really grateful to have her. And so it's really fun that we get to do this together with that connection yeah. too. And so if I look, um, not very cool, uh, blame it on Alex. Or if I look like cool, then blame it on Alex because she, she's a rock star. I mean, she's been such a sweet, um, this addition to this team. She came on in July of 23 and, um, has just brought such a sweet spirit. She's such a hard worker and a kick, butt editor too. She's made some stuff that I've shot, uh, by myself. I was like, Oh God, I don't know how that's going to end up. And it like, looks good. And I'm like, all right, you wizard. I don't know how you did it, but let's keep it going. As, uh, an employer, I'm curious because I think a lot of creatives, toy with, do I just go contract? Do I like build a whole company? Do I go work for a company for somebody who's out in the workforce looking for work? Do you prefer to like create a positions for somebody full time or are you like, Oh, there's a lot of benefit to contract work. Man, that's a great question. Um, I think it just depends. Uh, for me, I just, I love people so much that if there's ever a position that I can justify hiring a full-time employee for, I'm going to do it. Um, there's a lot of responsibility in the sense that um, I have to pay their uh, salary every two weeks. But for me, I just think you can create such an intimacy with people um, coming on full time that that's why I'm such a big fan of it. Um, I also like working as a team. I like operating um, with people rather than having so many contractors. Don't get me wrong. Like when, uh, we've got a team of four. And so we're able to knock out a lot of like mid to small shoots by ourselves because we've got uh me as the director Brecken hobbs uh, who's incredible as our producer we've got will smitherman as our dp who has turned into an absolute rock star and then as we've mentioned alex mox our editor and so with that little crew like we're able to knock out a good bit of stuff but when it comes to something that we really want to do well or that we can justify with budget uh bringing people on for we always try to bring on uh, talented contractors like a a gaffer grip, um, all that kind of stuff within a production crew that we can't necessarily justify having on full time. Uh, and we've got our little crew of people that we love um, that are kind of like our extended family, we would call them. What are some aspects to owning your own business and hiring actual employees, not just contracted people that when you started, you didn't see fully until once you got into yeah. it? Yeah, dude, I had no idea what I was doing when I started, um, to be blunt. Um, I was just a kid with a camera that just for some reason was able to get some other people to believe in what we were doing and hop on. Um, and so I think the things that I didn't really look into was like systems. They sound super boring, but are so important. I had no systems. Every shoot was just like, all right, we got it. Let's figure out how to do it. And then afterwards we're like, oh, okay. So we should have done that. We probably should have done this. And so, um, I think systems were something that I didn't really recognize. Um, I would say. Um, my team's been really gracious to me and allowing me some time to be able to learn how to lead well and to be able to delegate responsibility. Well, um, I have learned to give up things that I don't necessarily have to do. Um, and that's something I'm continuing to learn right now is that if somebody on my team can do it 60% as good as I can all the way up to better than I can, then I need to give it to them. Um, I held on to a lot of things, a lot of job responsibilities that I probably didn't need to for a long time. Um, to where now I feel really confident and comfortable, just like if my team can do it, give it to them, um, and just stand right in their shadow and just, um, so they can turn around and ask me questions if they have any, but I feel like it, it went from a position of, uh, leading from the front to now trying to lead from behind, um, to where if they make a mistake, 
no worries. That's a part of the game. But I'm behind them to try to be able to talk through and um, say, hey, what what happened? What can we do better next time? Is there any questions that you have for me? And so I think like learning how to lead well, because um, I think as a freelancer, especially coming into being a, a, a CEO or whatever you would call it, um, I think I had to learn to um, lead and trust a lot more than what I initially had um, just being a, a freelancer where I would do everything myself and I was comfortable with the control and all that kind of stuff. But learning to kind of walk a little bit more open handed um, has been a good lesson and ultimately like has allowed me to be so much more productive. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things that I can do, but only a few things that I'm actually good at. And so being able to uh, be afforded the opportunity to um, do the things I feel like the Lord's calling me to do is such a sweet blessing that I'm able to now experience because my team are <laughs> incredible and just allow me to, um, to have the bandwidth to do the things I, I love and, and that energize me. You've mentioned your faith several times throughout this interview, and I'm sitting here wondering, is this a role or a job where your job is to execute the vision regardless of your morals? Or do you see the work that you do as a reflection of where you stand on things? How do you ride that line in a creative world? There's been a few opportunities where I've had to kind of pivot out of just because I don't agree with some of the creative, um, not on necessarily like a, uh, like I have, I'm too cool to do someone else's vision, but just a couple of times where I've just had to like kind of stand on my own convictions, um, try to be able to balance that really well without ruffling feathers. It's a hard balance um, because ultimately like I run a company that works for other people. But yeah, with that, like leading with love and honor, um, no matter what it looks like, not throwing my hands up and, and being frustrated or, or being rude by any means, but trying to love people really well. And I think for me, like faith has just been um, something that has been like super necessary for me. Um, I know that not everybody has a spiritual background or faith or anything like that, but there's been a lot of times where I've gotten down and in a really tough place and um, have me like been face first on this carpet over here. Just like, Lord, like, I don't know where my next like job's going to come from. I've tried everything. I mean, I've knocked on every door. I feel like I've knocked on uh, I, just, I mean, went out there to say, hey, do y'all need any work? I, I went out and touched my entire Rolodex and nothing's going on and payroll's happening in two weeks. God, I don't know what to do. Um, and then like just having that kind of open handed trust is how I'm continuously brought back to to where if I like close grip it. And I just think like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to bring this to the finish line. I always find myself struggling. And then whenever I'm like, all right, Lord, like, show me where you want me to go. Like this company's yours. Keeps me to even though it's my last name is not mine. You're the one who gave this to me and you're the one that opens up all the doors for me. Opportunities come. And it's hilarious. Like, uh, it's so funny that um, I'll constantly come back to like trying to white knuckle something to finish on. And then it'll be me face down on the carpet again. He's been so faithful to me throughout this entire process. and. Um, just trying to honor it well. Um, yeah, I feel like my consistent journey is I should not be here. That I don't deserve to be here. I did not go to film school. I did not do all the stuff that people say that you're supposed to do. Um, it was just step by step, the Lord opening up doors for me and me just trying to, on the back end, honor what's been given to me and work my tail off so that people would be like, I'm really happy I gave him that opportunity um, because nine times out of 10, I should not have gotten what I got. So. I think there's like a, a spirit of gratitude yeah. in that too and humility that people it's palatable when people interact with you. 
you know, you said you should not have had a lot of the opportunities that you've had. You didn't go to film school. It wasn't like your vision or your path that you were on from the beginning. But for somebody, say in Bowling Green or Sioux Falls or Boise, Idaho, who like it is their path, it is their vision. What would you say to them now being a few years into it professionally, running your own company? What would you say to them of like, whether it's something practical, like know this equipment, know this software, um, do like network with these people or whether it's something more intrinsic of like this headspace, this. No, that's really good. Um, my advice to somebody wanting to get into this industry is just do it. Um, you can study a lot and that's great. Like to be obsessed, to be able to learn a lot of equipment and all that kind of stuff is like really helpful because when you get that opportunity, you're going to want to know that. But I think for me, like as someone who didn't go to film school, it would have been beneficial, but to just do it, it's how you learn. If I have any encouragement, if you want to get in the music video space, if you want to get on the commercial space, um, just be around and like network your tail off and work really hard when you get an opportunity. Um, I think tangibly being in a town where production exists is like a non-negotiable. Um, like, uh, there's been a couple younger people who have reached out to me to talk about, Hey, how do I get in the industry? Um, and they live in Iowa. Um, you can't, I mean, unless there's like a strong production presence there, you can't do it. You have to be in a Nashville, LA, New York, or Atlanta, um, probably. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm sure there's exceptions, but you have to be around. Um, what I've found in this industry, I feel like I've been the lucky one that's found the back door. I didn't do film school. I've never really directed anything until I got my first music video. I'm unbelievably blessed. I'm lucky to be able to do that. But it's because I've been around. Um, it's been relationships that have got me in the door, not because of talent or existing portfolio work or anything like that. It was me building trust um, with people that have said like, yeah, I want to give you a shot. And then me not knowing what I'm doing, but saying, yeah, I can do that. And then you figure it out as you go. Um, and so I would say a mix between just build relationships with other creatives um, because they'll get you on sets. Everybody, especially in Nashville, people want to see other people win. And so build relationships. Don't be afraid to DM people to be able to ask them to go get coffee. I feel like that's been um, almost like a, a, a part of my brand up to this point is just trying to buy everybody coffee. Um, I'm not a guy who like goes out to bars much. I, there's a lot of people who hustle and make all their relationships by going out to bars on Broadway or um, in Midtown. And that's just not my brand. Um, I like tequila and that's great, but you won't catch me on in Midtown on a Tuesday. That's just not, I'm, I'm at home hanging out with my wife and my dog. Um, but yeah, dude, like you can go a long way by just getting coffee with people and being around. And so just do everything you can you can to try to get on set. Um, Nashville production industry is a big, um, how's your hang culture? Um, if people like hanging out with you, they'll find a way to get you on a set. I feel like that's the only, only reason I stuck around with Dylan. That's the only reason I probably stuck around with Mitchell for a long time before I really like knew what I was doing is I just tried to love everybody on that bus really well. Um, and so I think it reflects the same way within kind of like the onset culture. Um, we hire a lot that way. Um, obviously people that are incredibly talented that we believe in, but because we really like hanging out with them on these, uh, film, film days, we've got 12 hours that we're probably going to spend together straight. And, um, a lot of stuff can go wrong and probably will go wrong on a set. And so if you're able to adjust to it, well, 
and have fun and enjoy it and not be too much um, or like too reclusive, um, then that's how you get called back um, because it's a small town. It is a very small town. I remember some hearing it one of the first times I shot a show in Nashville. One of the other photographers was just saying Nashville's a a small town with a lot of people. Um, and so especially this little music industry itself, there's like it looks really big, but it's really not. Everybody eventually gets to know each other. And um, I think that's a really big blessing if you care for people really well, because everybody talks and will throw your name around. But also it works um, the opposite way, too. If you burn a bridge, then uh, people will know. It has a weeding out Absolutely. process that is just organic. Which I think is just really healthy. Um, I really hope Nashville keeps that for a long time. I I'm, I can't say that I've been a part of building that culture by any means, but I hopefully will be a part of um, developing that culture and uh, continuing it forward of being only owning this company. I guess it's exists for like two years now. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to make sure that you care for people really well. And if you do that, then you'll be very successful in this town. Typically, when we wrap up an interview, I end with, do you believe you're living the dream? But I feel like I want to ask you a different question okay. to wrap up. And I know so many people will say, like, what advice would you give to your past self? And I don't want to do that. I do things a little differently. I want to know with where you're at today or what you've walked through, what you hope to keep in mind for your future self. Mm. Jeez, heavy hitter. Um... I would say, don't forget where you started. Um, as I can, and I feel like that's kind of cliche, but um, I get really wrapped up in what's currently going on and where I'm going. Um, I've got big dreams and aspirations with this company in a lot of different directions. I want to go and grow it. Um, but I think being grateful and humble, remembering where I'm coming from. And just like the excitement that I had as a kid getting into this, um, I think I get so logistical and organized and focused on the future and numbers and all that kind of stuff that I forget um, how much fun I had doing that first run with Dylan years ago. Um, just as like a happy kid who like came on the road and was so green and had no idea what he was doing. And But I think if I can continue going forward and just like appreciate the opportunities that I get, I think it's easy to get caught up in the rat race in this town and to see on social media, what everybody else is doing and, and to be able to um, lose track of like the why of why you're doing it. It becomes such a business and all that kind of stuff, but kind of just like slowing down and remembering, Hey, you were a kid who like was so grateful for an opportunity to go on the road for free. <laughs> and I remember getting handed that $200 in cash at the end of that weekend and just thinking, this is it. Yeah. I just think um, if I could remember something as I continue to grow in this industry and get older. Um, just don't forget where I started. The passion that I had, the excitement, the curiosity, um, and keeping that, I think, would uh, would be fun for Tristan five years from now and even Tristan right now to be able to, to live out. Thanks for listening to the Springboard Music Podcast. If there's something that resonated with you in this episode or an episode that you would like for us to create in the future, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at Springboard Music on Instagram. 